0: Bible open to Romans chapter 8, uh, physical or on your phone or uh, electronic device, something. It would be great to have that uh, as we work uh, through that this morning. Well, wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Uh, that's the question with which Paul ends Romans chapter 7. And I wonder if it's a question which you sometimes wonder to yourself too. Perhaps as you look at your life, at your sin and your failings. Perhaps as you look at your body, aging and failing. Do you also sometimes with Paul ask, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, while well, the wonderful, resounding, joyful answer is Romans chapter eight—that God, in His mercy, rescues us by the Spirit of Christ. So, as we as we look at this uh, passage today, I'm I'm hoping that uh, we will all leave this morning uh, feeling thankful feeling joyful, feeling confident and optimistic because of what God does for us by the Spirit of Christ. Uh, If you're you're new here today, uh, let me say that makes two of us, it's great to kind of be here with you, Um, my hope is that you will understand why entrusting yourself to Jesus is such a good thing. Uh, and if you've, if you've, you know, if you if you kind of built St. Philip's, if you you know, if you're part of the furniture here, if you've been, if you've called yourself a Christian for for ages, I hope you'll be encouraged again, seeing the riches and depths of God's goodness and mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Particularly because of this wonderful truth that that God's Spirit gives us new life. That God's Spirit gives us new life. Now, now, last week uh, in Kieran's sermon that I thought was an, an excellent sermon last week, he unpacked the first few verses of Romans 8, and, and Paul's main point there is there in verse 1, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, my personal testimony uh, is that uh, I was raised in a loving, upright, kind of moral, but definitely not a Christian family. Uh, and I was packed off to an Anglican boarding school and it was at that boarding school through the ministry of a, of a chaplain who, who was not hip and cool but who knew and loved Jesus. That I came to hear three things. I, I came to know that, that, that God was there and God was holy and good and, and righteous. That my sin Meant that I stood condemned before this God. But that in His mercy, as Paul says here, God had sent His Son Jesus to be a sin offering for me, for us, that I would be acceptable to God through Christ again. Isn't that the most wonderful truth? Isn't that brilliant? Isn't God so merciful? that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God forgives us. But what Paul goes on to say is like, that's not all. That's not it. We're we're not just forgiven the penalty of sin. He gives us his spirit to defeat the power of sin too. Not just the penalty of sin is defeated, but also the power of sin. And we see that in these verses in these two ways, that that the Spirit gives the new life now of a transformed mind. And secondly, the Spirit will give the new life of a resurrected body. So firstly, the Spirit gives the new life now of a transformed mind, and that's particularly verses 5 to 8. Have a look at verse 5 in your Bibles there. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Now you'll you'll notice that Paul here contrasts two things, the flesh and the spirit. And now what it what he means in this contrast is is not a contrast between our, our physical bodies and our souls or even between a kind of a Christian falling into sin or, or, or not. Uh, what Paul means in this section is is that someone is either in the realm of, in the dominion of, ruled by the flesh or the spirit. Uh, it's a bit like what happened to me when, when, when I got on a plane from South Africa to here. And I went from, you know, dodgy South Africa to amazing, wonderful Australia. I do love South Africa. Uh, Paul saying that it's it's like that as a Christian that, that we are we are all born in the realm of the flesh, alienated from God, cut off from God, but God by His word works we might be taken into the realm of the Spirit, given new life in the Spirit. And what Paul says about the the, the life of those who who aren't in Christ is sobering indeed in these verses. Uh, Have a listen to this. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's verse 5. Verse 6, To set the mind on the flesh is death. Verse 7, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Paul here speaks of the the mind of the flesh. He means, he, he means, I think, the kind of mindset, the, the fundamental direction of a person and their life. What preoccupies us? What do we think about? What, what do we set our hearts on? What ambitions drive us? What concerns engross us? To what do we direct our time and our energy and our thoughts and our resources? Uh, Paul says that the problem is that those who live in the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires and not on what God desires. And, and, and that mindset has eternal consequences, he says, verse 6, that the mind governed by the flesh is death. It brings death, and I, I think he means death in the kind of broadest sense. Uh, the death of being uh, alienated from God, cut off from God. The, the death of physical death that comes to our bodies. And the death of eternal condemnation by God. Why is that so? What does the mind governed by the flesh lead to death? Well, the answer is, verse 7, that it's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so, Paul says. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. you might you might well be thinking paul that that sounds really harsh. I mean what about my friends and my family and my colleagues who are good, upright you know law abiding people don't don't they do good things and And I think the answer is well, in one sense, yes, they do, and it 's kind of great that they do, but it's possible to do outwardly many good things and yet." still be living against God in our hearts. Uh, Tim Keller, the, the, uh, the pastor from New York City, uses this illustration. Uh, he says uh, imagine a good model soldier. Imagine a soldier who's dutiful and diligent and obedient and well presented and courageous and sacrificial and, and takes care of their comrades. You know, good, imagine that, that, that good model soldier. And then imagine that that soldier is fighting for Boko Haram or ISIS or some rebel army. You see, the best soldier in a rebel army is still a rebel. The best player on the wrong team is still playing for the wrong team. A person can do lots of good actions And yet, in their hearts, still be living in hostility to God. And that's why Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. To live ignoring God, in in rebellion against God. Well, even... The seemingly good can do that, and even the seemingly religious and devout can do that. So, in our in our second reading that we heard this morning, we met Nicodemus, and if there was anyone who we might think would enter God's kingdom, um, it would be someone like Nicodemus. He's a, he's a descendant of Abraham. He's rigorous in his obedience to the Bible. He's a member of the ruling Jewish council. And what's the first thing Jesus says to Nicodemus when he comes to meet him? No one will see the kingdom of God unless they are born from above. You see, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, all the education and heritage and religious observances in the world won't help you. It won't get you into God's kingdom because we're all born in the realm of the flesh. Even the most religiously devout amongst us. It's like we're members of a rebel army. You know, sometimes it's, it's, you know, we can kind of think, you know, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm okay with our Jesus. I'm a, I'm a good person. I give to charity, I, I serve on the board of an NGO. I go to church. I read my Bible. I, I put money in the collection plate every week. Sometimes we can think maybe our, our friends and our family, surely they're fine with our Jesus. I mean, they're, they're better than I am. But Paul says here no. That people in the realm of the flesh cannot please God, but are living innately in hostility to God. Who will rescue me then from this body that is subject to death? Well, Paul says, God's spirit. Have a look at what he says in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. If it's true, verse 6, that to set the mind on the flesh is death, it is also true that to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You see, because Christ has died for us and gives us his spirit in his abundant mercy, God can take us spiritual rebels and turn us into those who serve him as one of his people, that we serve a new king. See, to be a Christian is, to, is for the spirit to work internal transformation in you, to give you a new mindset shaped by God's priorities. Uh, it's, it's the end of May, right? Um, how are you going on your New Year's resolutions? How are you going almost mid- midway through the year? Well, here are a couple of mine. Uh, this year, I was, I was hoping to, to read more and to finish my sermon preparation by Friday afternoon. Uh, well, let me just tell you that uh, this week, I finished my first book of the year and that I was still finishing the sermon last night. And... Perhaps if you're like me, you wonder, is, is any real change possible? Perhaps you're, you're here and you're not yet a Christian and you're thinking, I could never change. Surely I could never change. Or perhaps you've been a Christian for ages, but, but you've made a truce with that sin in your life and you think, I could never change that. But we need to know that God's Spirit gives the the new life of a transformed mind. That in Christ there is not only no condemnation for our bad works, but the gift of God's Spirit to work in us his good works. Now it's it's true that, that, that as a Christian change is, is messy it's slow it's it's two steps forward and one step back but change is certain because paul says god has given us his spirit who transforms us you see if you are a christian god's spirit is working in you can you think of someone who who used to care nothing for God, but who now desires that God be known, that Christ be exalted above every name, that the gospel go to the ends of the earth. See, That is the work of God's Spirit in you. Can you think of someone who, who used to live for themselves at every turn, but who now desires to please God and to serve others? And he says, not my will, but yours be done. That is the work of God's Spirit in your life. Can you think of someone who, who didn't used to give their sin a second thought, but, but who now hates their sin and is slowly turning away from it. That is the work of God's Spirit in your life. Can you think of people who, who, who come to church on a Sunday morning out of service to Christ, to grow and serve others. Can you think of people with with, with many financial obligations who, who still give generously to support the gospel and the poor and the needy? Can you think of someone who, for Christ's sake, perseveres with joy through a difficult marriage? Or someone who, for Christ's sake, perseveres with joy through celibacy outside of marriage? Or someone who, for Christ's sake, forgives enormous offenses. Or who, for Christ's sake, endures chronic pain with patience and joy. You see, that is the life worked by the Spirit in you. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? God gives his spirit, who gives new life now of a transformed mind and transformed life. Well, that's the first thing Paul says, that the spirit gives that new life now of a transformed mind. But it's not that all. It's not only that now. Secondly, he says that the spirit will give new life then of a resurrected body. Uh, Have a look uh, from verse verse, uh, 9 onwards. Paul says, But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. What Paul says here is breathtaking. When you become a Christian God the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. No, It's it's one thing for, for a judge, perhaps, to say to a, to a criminal, you're free from condemnation. But imagine that judge then inviting that criminal in to come and live in his home or her home. But that is what God does with us. You see, we are set free from condemnation and given full communion with God not only forgives us, but comes and dwells with us by his Spirit. And Paul wants us to see that that, that if the Spirit of Christ is in us, well, that has profound implications not only for our present, but for our future too. Because the truth is that we're dying. Paul says in verse 10, even though your body is subject to death because of sin. Uh, you know, in modern Perth, we, uh, we like to think that we've made peace with death. But we haven't, have we? We hate to talk about death. We create entire industries so we don't have to see it. We do everything we can to avoid even just looking like we're aging, let alone dying. But we're all dying, and we will all die. It is not just a general truth that the only things certain in life are death and taxes. It's a personal truth for me and for you. But for a Christian, the only things certain are death and taxes and resurrection life. First hand, Paul says, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Is your body aching and wrinkling and creaking? Is your body graying and fraying and leaking? And that's just Kieran's list. It's true, of course, isn't it, of all of us. But the wonderful truth Paul wants us to see is that God's Spirit, which raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, promises, guarantees that he will raise your mortal body too. Isn't it magnificent that we have this sure hope that we will be raised again? That this perishable body will be raised imperishable. That this dishonored body will be raised in glory. That this weak body will be raised in power. That this mortal body will be raised immortal. That death will be swallowed up in victory. You see, aging and illness and death, they're still there. But we need not fear them. Uh, until uh, about the last year of high school, I was kind of one of the smallest kids in my class. Uh, when, I got to, when I got to boarding school as a, as a year eight, uh, I weighed 36 kilograms. I was, I was minute. I was so small that my mom wouldn't even let me play rugby. Uh, I was so small. And yet, when I got to high school, uh, I did not have to fear any of the kind of school bullies. And that wasn't because I was big... And strong, because i wasn 't it was because I had an older brother in year twelve who was a prefect and six foot four you see in in life, death is still like the bully walking around he 's still there in our lives, but we need not fear him not because we are big and strong in ourselves, but because God's Spirit is with us and promises to give us life. See, I don't know what what you are facing or what you will face. I don't know what illness, what ailments, what doctor's visits, what treatments, what operations what pain you will face. But I do know this, that if the Spirit of God is in you, he will give life to your mortal body. You need not fear death, or illness, or aging, because God promises to give you life. The Spirit gives the new life now of a transformed mind. And he will give the new life then of a resurrected body. Isn't knowing this God the best thing in the world? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, Paul's reply is, Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ.